Good afternoon and welcome to the Monday edition of the Manitoba Farm Journal. I'm your host, Corey Knute. Coming up this afternoon, we'll discuss CN Rail's grain plan for the upcoming crop year. And up first in today's country comment, we'll hear from Laura Schmidt with Manitoba Pulse and Soybean Growers. The latest farm news and market numbers all coming up over the next 60 minutes. The time now is 12 o'clock. Here's a look at our local news. Good afternoon, you're listening to the Manitoba Farm Journal. Manitoba Pulse and Soybean Growers hosted a dry bean research tour in Morden last week at Agriculture and Agri-Food Canada's Research and Development Centre. Production specialist Laura Schmidt talked about their on-farm dry bean trials. So the goal of our on-farm network, that is to test new products and practices on farmers' fields with farmers' equipment at the field scale. So really taking all those products and and practices that are coming from the applied research and making it applicable to the farm. So we're first of all trying to answer specific farmers questions, you know, what nitrogen rate works best on my farm for dry beans or what tillage practice works best there. But then from the larger data set of having all of these on-farm trials across Manitoba, across some of our different growing regions, what larger conclusions can we draw that are going to be applicable to every farmer here in Manitoba that are just growing dry beans? So dry beans, it is a bit of a smaller data set that we have. We've been doing on-farm trials since about 2016, and they've kind of focused in three major topic areas. So the first is nitrogen fertility, both in terms terms of different nitrogen rates on farm as well as some of those inoculant products that are available for dry beans how do they work at the field scale uh, the second one that we have is focused on the question of foliar fungicides so controlling white mold or preventing white mold in our dry bean crops how do we respond to a single application of fungicide versus untreated? So for that trial, it has been conducted in some some dry years, so we're not seeing a lot of results for the fungicide right now. But we want to keep exploring that question under wetter growing environments as well as over more years just to really broaden the spectrum of that question. And then the third one has been investigating tillage, specifically strip till versus conventional till. Are we seeing, uh, you know, some benefits in between the two systems? That one's really quite interesting. We've had three trials comparing those two with uh, pinto beans and I believe navy beans. So there we're really seeing a benefit to that strip till. It's been dry. That moisture conservation piece is really quite wonderful. Um, And there's also a little bit of protection there. So we had some high wind storms and that ended up needing to reseed those conventional till strips just because of the wind damage whereas with the strip till uh, there was a little bit of protection having those untilled areas where not as much soil blew so that was uh there's some benefits there and it's another question we'd like to keep investigating how many farmers or how many fields do you have this year this year uh, we have fewer trials um, in dry beans we do have two trials ongoing right now Uh, If there is more interest in foliar fungicides, we're getting a little late in terms of that application. Uh, But right now we have two for this year uh, looking at, one's looking at a biological product and then another's looking at foliar fungicide. I would really encourage if you're wondering if that practice is going to provide a return on investment or that product is going to work on your farm, uh, do consider a replicated and randomized strip trial. So it doesn't have to be through the on-farm network, but that replicated and randomization piece, it really does help you make 
you know, a knowledgeable decision because you can run those statistical analysis and be confident in that, that result you're getting. When you have those full strips replicated and randomized and running those statistics, that's something we can help with. I know that's sometimes a hang-up, but we do have a guide on our website at manitobapulse.ca. It's a guide to conducting on-farm trials, um, and if there's anything you're wanting to explore in your pulse or soybean crop, uh, feel free to give us a shout. We'd, we'd love to help. That was Laura Schmidt. She's a production specialist with Manitoba Pulse and Soybean Growers. A look at what's happening in the markets this afternoon is coming up. Good afternoon. I'm Corey Canute. A policy analyst with the Canadian Federation of Independent Business says about two-thirds of respondents to a survey it conducted said a mandatory fertilizer emissions reduction could decrease profitability on their farms. Taylor Brown says they surveyed their farm members about the emissions target. The government is conducting consultations on its plans to reduce greenhouse gas emissions from nitrogen fertilizer by 30% by 2030. The CFIB is imploring the federal government not to mandate reductions in fertilizer emissions. Movement of Western Canadian grain is expected to rebound this crop year. CNRL has released its grain plan for the 2022-23 season. Assistant Vice President for Grain David Shinovic says they're equipped to handle the volume. EN is going to be adding to its uh, fleet of high horsepower locomotives. We'll be acquiring an additional 57 of those this crop year, of which uh, 47 of those will be active and in the fleet here this fall for the harvest. Another 10 will come online in the first quarter of 2023. That's a significant increase to the locomotive fleet. In addition on locomotives, we've halted any locomotive retirements. We've got uh, a locomotive modernization uh, program as well, and that's going to lead to a more efficient, more reliable locomotive fleet there too. 2021-22 grain volumes were reduced due to drought, while severe weather events, the pandemic, and the war in Ukraine disrupted supply chains. And livestock producers should be monitoring water sources closely for blue-green algae. Jessica Smith is a regional livestock and feed extension specialist with Saskatchewan's Ministry of Agriculture. It's a concern for livestock because as that algae dies in the water, it can give off toxins that are harmful to your livestock and can cause illness and even death. She notes if you find a problem, you should remove the livestock or fence the dugout off and treat it with a registered copper sulfate product. That was a look at today's farm news. I'm Corey Knute. Good afternoon and welcome to the Prairie Eggwire for Monday, August 8th. I'm Corey Knute. Coming up today, we'll talk about CN Rail's grain plan for the upcoming crop year. CN Rail has released its grain plan for the upcoming crop year. David Shinovic is Assistant Vice President for Grain. The grain plan and its purpose is really twofold. First, based on information available at the time, and of course the grain plan was, was, uh, was written and filed at the end of July, it's CN's assessment of how much grain and processed grain products that it expects to move over the course of the crop year based on the information available around crop size, carry-in stocks, demand, all that stuff. And then second, purpose of the green plan is to lay out the actions that CN has taken or will take to be able to move those anticipated volumes of grain over the course of the crop year. That's really the two key purposes of the green plan. Wanted to just look at some of the highlights here. Um, let's talk about 2021-22 uh, grain volumes. Um, now those were those were down. Talk about some of the factors there. Well, the driver on that was simply the drought of 2021. I mean, that was the, the worst drought that we've, of course, seen in 20 years. Uh, 
and and that really was the driver for reductions in both uh, grain shipped via carload out of the prairies. Uh, CN shipped over 18.2 million tons of grain and processed grain products out of the prairies uh, over the crop year. It's actually a little higher than that. It's more like 18.3. And that was down significantly year over year because of the drought impact. And then secondly, direct uh, carloads, or sorry, uh, volumes of uh, containerized grain moved directly out of Western Canada as well were also down significantly. And it was driven primarily by the uh, the impact of the drought-reduced crop. So, you know, things are looking up here. The, the Mother Nature is going to have its say on what we end up with for, for harvest weather and final grain volumes. But based on, you know, all signs, all signs today are pointing to a, a more normalized uh, crop outcome in, uh, in the, for the 22 harvest. We all know that carry-in stocks are going to be historically low just based on the, uh, the low grain volumes from last year. And that means that total available supplies likely to be below the previous three or four years to the drought impacted crop of last year. That's based on what we know today, but uh, the harvest results will will be what they're going to be, and then we'll see how the crop shakes out. You're expecting SEN will be able to to handle the, the volume here this upcoming uh, crop year? Yeah, CN's got the resources in place. We are ready for the upcoming harvest. We are confident that the adjustments that we've made to our operations and planning activities, combined it with the investments that we've made, Enrolling stock, our aggressive recruiting and hiring campaign, the uh, the acquisition of more high efficiency hopper cars, as well as investments in infrastructure, rail related, both in the prairies and along the coast, that we'll be able to move those anticipated volumes over the course of the crop year, and that during uh, outside of winter, of course, the other part of the grain plan that is really important that everybody looks to is. What is the anticipated maximum end-to-end sustainable supply chain capacity for grain movement during winter and outside of winter, assuming the number of conditions can be met, of course, at any point in time, like having no major mainline disruptions, no impacts of COVID on the workforce or of again, supply chain partners. Um, you know, all those factors need to be satisfied, of course, but... CN expects, based on what we know about the resource availability and the capacity of the end-to-end supply chain, that we would we anticipate being able to deliver up to 744,000 tons per week of shipments of grain and processed grain products outside of winter, and up to 595,000 tons per week during winter. You mentioned um, adding uh, new equipment. Um, talk a bit more about that. You know what uh, some of the new equipment that you'll be adding here uh, upcoming. Sure. I'd, I'd, uh, there's three different uh, touch points there. One is locomotive fleet. EN is going to be adding to its uh, fleet of high horsepower locomotives. We'll be acquiring an additional 57 of those. Uh, this, this crop year of which uh, 47 of those will be active and in the fleet here this fall for the harvest. Another 10 will come online in the first quarter of 2023. So that's a significant increase to the locomotive fleet in addition on locomotives. We've halted any locomotive retirements. We've got a we've got uh, a locomotive modernization uh, program as well, and that's going to lead to a more efficient, more reliable locomotive fleet there too. So it's not just the numbers of locomotives you have; it's how reliable they are on any given day to run in the field. Second, on on hopper cars, we'll be taking delivery of another 500 high efficiency hopper cars. Those are 55 uh, foot, five or eight inch hoppers that are shorter than the uh, than the standard 50 to 60 foot hoppers that are out there, which means you can fit more of those on the same length of track. 
and their higher cubic capacity means that you can load more grain in each car, especially for medium and lighter density commodities like canola and barley notes. We'll take delivery of those, uh, 500 of those during the crop year, and that's just part of our ongoing modernization of the hopper car fleet. And that, that you know, more tons per car and more cars per slot means more grain moving during the fall time, especially during peak green movement. And then finally, for investment in infrastructure, CN is investing uh, in the prairies in 26 miles of double track. That's on either side of Edmonton, which is one of the highest traffic areas that we've got. And that's to meet increased demand in that corridor. And then we're also adding a number of sidings, uh, 12,000-foot sidings, three of which are in the uh, Edmonton to Prince Rupert corridor, and one is in the uh, Edmonton to Vancouver corridor to help increase capacity in, in, uh, in the mountains. And uh, the plan also uh, talked about adding um, new employees as well. Yes, that's right. You know, since the end of 2021, across its network, CN's added about 850 uh, individuals, of which most of those are uh, conductors. And, uh, you know, our plans right now, based on the way things are shaking out, that we will continue to uh, increase our complement of conductors out in the field. We're planning to uh, hire another 500. So we are positioned well going into the fall time here in terms of you know, having the resources to place some of those anticipated grain volumes over the course of the process. That was David Shinovic, Assistant Vice President for Grain with CN Rail, talking about the company's grain plan for the upcoming crop year. That's it for the Prairie Eggwire for today. If you have any questions or opinions to share, send them to us by email, thefarmdesk at goldenwest.ca. I'm Corey Canute. Thanks for listening and have a great afternoon. The Prairie Eggwire will return tomorrow on the Golden West Farm Network. Time now for a look at the farm calendar. The series Global Seeds Insight Tour takes place this week in several communities. Registration begins at 8 a.m. Tours get underway at 8.30. Tour will be making a stop in Winkler tomorrow. Delmar Beaujagir, August 10th, and in Begit on August 11th. RSVP to see Unger at seriesglobalseeds.com. Fall on the Farm takes place at the Mennonite Heritage Village in Steinbach, September 5th. And the Roland 4-H Museum is open this month. Hours are 1 to 4 p.m. Continuing with the Manitoba Farm Journal here on this Monday afternoon. I was in Morden last week for MPSG's Dry Bean Research Tour at AAFC's Research and Development Centre. One of the stops on the tour was with Ahmed Abdelmajid with Agriculture and Agri-Food Canada. He talked about bacterial blight and white mold pathology. So actually here I am responsible uh, for mainly oil seed crops pathology program. Um, so uh, specifically soybean, sunflower, flax and canola. Major focus will be soybean because actually soybean is still fairly new uh, crop in Manitoba. And there are, there are uh, lots of efforts to increase the acreage uh, of soybean in the province. Um, so my program actually will be focusing on the integrated best management uh, of any kind or uh, the issues uh, related to pathology and can affect the quality and the yield of soybean. Uh, 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 using this approach, the integrated best management, uh, to be like uh, any approach that will be friendly to the environment, friendly to the climate, uh, we will uh, uh, go through this way. Uh, uh, 
there, there are a lot of focus will be on crop rotations uh, using alternative to fungicides like um, focusing on the biocontrol, um, uh, some uh, cultural practices like cover crops, uh, intercropping systems. So we are actually, um, this will be the main focus of the program. Uh, the other programs that I work on right now, uh, but for a while until they hire a new pulse pathologist here in, uh, at Morden Station, uh, we are uh, uh, at the pulse pathology lab working with the uh, bean breeder, uh, Amfo, uh, and uh, uh, we screen the pre-co-op and co-op materials to identify new sources of resistance to three main diseases, sclerotinia, sclerotiorum, uh, which is causing the sclerotinia stem rot of dry, uh, on dry beans and also the enteric nose disease and finally the uh, bacterial disease which is called the common plight uh, and uh, this is um, this actually uh, screening program is going on for a while now and there are some promising materials uh, that we submit to the breeders. Has there been a lot of disease issues this year? Uh, so for uh, plant diseases uh, specifically the um, uh, bacterial diseases and fungal diseases environment is a crucial or very critical uh, when we talk about the spread of diseases so this year comparing to the previous year this year we have significant amount of rain comparing to last year which was very dry so what does this mean for diseases means uh, it's actually uh, more diseases uh, the spread will be more significant from field to field, from uh, area to area, because of the rain splash. So definitely this year, there are more diseases when we talk about root rots, when we talk about um, foliar diseases, like bacterial diseases. Actually, in this time of the year, we can see lots of uh, uh, bacterial diseases right now, uh, comparing to previous year. Uh, also, uh, there is a high risk for sclerotinia this year. Last year, rarely you can you can find sclerotinia anywhere. But this year, unfortunately, this will be like a concern about the spread of sclerotinia due to the uh, moisture in soil, the rain, uh, the the temperature is very optimal for pathogens, specifically something for sclerotinia, which like this weather, like cool and um, uh, humid weather, it's uh, it's it's significant for for uh, these pathogens. Yeah. That was Ahmed Abdelmajid with Agriculture and Agri-Food Canada. He took part in the MPSG Dry Bean Research Tour held last week in Morden. Another look at what's happening in the markets heading into the close is coming up in just a moment. Time now for another look at today's farm news. The recent hot, humid weather can lead to the development of blue-green algae in dugouts. Jessica Smith, Regional Livestock and Feed Extension Specialist with Saskatchewan's Ministry of Agriculture, says doing the finger test is the easiest way to know if you're dealing with blue-green algae. Scoop your hands through the water and... If it was blue-green algae, it would flow through your hands with the water. If it was regular algae, it would kind of catch and hang on your fingers. If you find a problem, you should remove the livestock or fence the dugout off, treat it with a registered copper sulfate product, and then return animals after the recommended waiting time. And CN Rail has released its grain plan for the upcoming crop year. David Shinovic is Assistant Vice President for Grain. CN's got the resources in place. We are ready for the upcoming harvest. We are confident that the adjustments that we've made to our operations and planning activities, combined with the investments that we've made in rolling stock, our aggressive recruiting and hiring campaign, the, uh, the acquisition of more high-efficiency hopper cars, as well as 
investments in infrastructure, rail-related, both in the prairies and along the coast, that we'll be able to move those anticipated volumes over the course of the crop year. Movement of Western Canadian grain via carload on CN in 2022-2023 is forecast to rebound to 24.5 to 27 million metric tonnes. I'll be back after this to wrap up today's program. We've come to the end of another Manitoba Farm Journal. I'm your host, Corey Canute. If you have any questions or comments, you can reach us by email, thefarmdesk at goldenwest.ca. Today's closing numbers with more in-depth commentary on what's happening in the markets is coming up at 10 to 2 on the Markets Farm Program. Coming up on tomorrow's show, we'll get an update on Manitoba's potato crop. Thanks for listening and have a great afternoon. Hope you can join us back here tomorrow starting at 12 noon.